Today's podcast is brought to you by H2O, the most important thing that you should drink every fucking day, because if you don't, you're going to get crabby. What is up, everyone? Hi. I'm so sorry. I've been on hiatus. Um, yesterday was my 23rd birthday. Can I get a hoia? Um, that was really dumb. <laughs> Can I get a hoia? Um... Hi, how's it going? I just wanted to say really quick, I definitely thought that I was going to be able to record over anatomy. I think I recorded the first two weeks. Um, And then things just really started to ramp up with the intensity of the class. And I was like, each week I thought about it, about um, recording another podcast But I was just kind of like, it doesn't really feel right. I don't really have much to talk about. I'm in complete school mode right now. So I just like, you know, I I did it by a weekly basis of like, does it feel like I should record? Yes or no? And for the most part, I just didn't really have much to say. Like, I know I, that's like probably shocking to you all (laughs) because I'm the most chatty person ever. Um... But yeah, I I turned 23 yesterday. Can I get a whoop whoop? I seriously had the best time ever. I had a really, really, really fun party with um, some of my closest friends. Speaking of water, I need some more. Um, I am recording this at 3 p.m. the next day after my birthday, and my whole body is sore. I was in bed by 12.30, so it's not like I was like you know, raging all night or anything, but damn, it's like you hit age 22 and everything starts to hurt. You can't drink as much anymore. Things just start to go downhill from there. (laughs) So don't mind me. I'll be drinking water throughout this. I don't have a hangover, which is nice because I usually pace myself really well towards the end of the night and I start to get a little sober from the times I have drank this summer. I just don't like hangovers. I like good sleep. I don't like being dehydrated. So here I am sitting on my couch. I have so much to put away. (laughs) How have you guys been? I, I feel so bad for not like checking in. I guess I forget forgot to that um over the last six weeks of anatomy I was off social media um it actually was maybe like five five and a half weeks give or take I I hopped back on early just because I was like you know I feel like I've I've kind of gained what I wanted from my social media break and like I was doing it for myself so it's really not the end of the world if you like extend a challenge or shorten a challenge like if it's for you who the fuck cares if you're doing it there's no actual rules it's just for yourself so that was the first thing I wanted to mention today on this little from the couch session of after my birthday wow my body is sore holy shit um was that was a really really great thing for me to do. It really helped me focus. Um, I ended up doing really well in anatomy. Um, I did about how I wanted to, expected to. Unfortunately, sometimes I think you can study a lot of things, um, you know, over the course of all of this different topic area. 
of anatomy, there's like, you know, uh, <laughs> like blinking skeletal system anatomy, there's muscle anatomy, there's organs, there's um, cardiovascular, like uh, pathway of blood through the body, um, pathway of air, like in your lungs, um, there's nervous system pathways, there's lymphatic uh, stuff you need to learn. I'm like, my brain is fried after last week <laughs> of ending anatomy. Clearly, I don't remember what we even learned. But what I was going to say is, so there's all this different information you can learn through the course of an anatomy class. And you can have a very thorough understanding of the entire thing. But, you know, based on tests, they might test really specific things that maybe you didn't study as much or you don't have the capacity to think that hard about that specific area of anatomy because you're encompassing the entire whole of anatomy. So I did just fine. I'm very proud of myself for working really hard and um, I ended up with a score that I'm, I'm very happy and content with. Obviously, it would have been phenomenal if I ended up with like 100%, but I didn't. <laughs> and this is something me and my therapists talk about frequently is um, that sometimes I can swing back and forth from like a black and white perspective of things of like it's either all or nothing or like you either get 100% or you're a failure and so I had to be very mindful the last couple weeks of like if I understand what we're talking about and I have a very good understanding of anatomy that's all that matters and if I have a test where like Maybe I don't score as high because the questions are more specific in an area that I wasn't expecting. That's okay, you know? So I think being off of social media was really helpful for that. Um, just because I personally, I like being off social media every now and then because it helps me kind of um, reconnect with myself in terms of, ooh, I want to take a picture of that and post it, but like, why? You know? Um, so I actually was really good about taking photos over that six weeks just for myself. So I would like take them and then edit them on Visco and just post them for myself. So like no one was seeing them, but I still got the same joy out of it because I just, I'm a, a very big like love documenting things type of person. Hence why I have a podcast. Hence why I have three Instagram accounts. You know, I just, I've always really loved documenting things in an artistic fashion like how is it making me feel like what is this photo portraying what are these words I'm writing on a caption insinuating um and I think it was a good little break for me to realize that I can still do that without having an audience which is nice so clearly it's possible to go off social media if you need to I actually bought my sister Nora she's 16 a book from Barnes and Noble a couple weeks ago or how long was it I actually don't remember when I did this it was oh it was probably before I started my social media thing because I took a picture of her and put it on my story um, but it's a book called how to break up with your phone I haven't read it yet because she was like oh I want to do this whatever and then I think she got distracted and and didn't read it but I'm probably gonna take it from her and it has like a month-long schedule of how to not be so attached to your phone granted I think people 
my age-ish and older are pretty decent about not being attached to our phones. Um, I feel like it's like 90s babies only. So if you're listening to this and you were born between like 94 and 99, you're probably fine with not being attached to your phone. I don't know. (laughs) Someone's born in like 93 and is like, what the fuck? But my parents are very attached to their phones and they're an older generation. My two younger sisters, Oops, my sister just called me right when I was recording, so I don't remember what I last said. Um, Yeah, so... This is just, like, how this podcast works. I don't... I think it's really funny how, like, I'll listen to other podcasts, and they're so structured and thought out, and there's, like, a script, and there's, like, good intro music, and and all that, um, and then here I am, and I'm just free-balling it every single time, (laughs) so yeah, basically moral of the story is if you would like to take a social media break or hiatus for a while, I highly recommend it. it, makes you think about how you're using your time, how you are interacting with the world around you, how you can be more intentional about the things you post, um, and how much time you're spending on your phone, um, because you really don't need to spend that much time on your phone, as I am sitting here recording my podcast on my phone. (laughs) Um, So that's that. Anatomy went well. Um, Let's move on. And today's segment... Da, 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 da. What am I saying? Let's move on. <laughs> I can't wait until I listen to this and I just hear myself making zero sense. I really appreciate if you do listen to my podcast because, hell, like, I listen to them every time after I record. And I'm like, who actually gets enjoyment out of me making zero sense? <laughs> Yeah, so yesterday was my 23rd birthday. That's going to be the kind of um, purpose of the podcast today. Because I wanted to talk about turning 23 and all the things I've learned about myself and my life in the last year. um, And how important it is to be reflective whenever you have these milestones in your life. Whether it is your birthday or it's an anniversary of something or it's a holiday that means something important to you. Just taking the time to sit and reflect about the last year can be exceptionally insightful for you in how you have grown. Because, you know, little do you know, every freaking day we're growing in some way or another, Um, whether it's physically we're changing our bodies in one way and... um, depending on what we're doing or what we're not doing, what we're partaking in, what we're not partaking in. For example, you know, I've decided, not me personally, (laughs) I clearly have not decided this, but I was about to say, I've decided to refrain from alcohol. (laughs) Yesterday, I definitely did not refrain from alcohol. So I'm just using that as an example. How is that changing your body, affecting your body? That's something you're not partaking in anymore. So how is it changing you? Um, partaking in yoga or exercising or going for a walk every day how is it changing your physical body and then reflecting on how your mental health your emotional health and well-being has changed 
in the same fashion, what are you partaking in or not partaking in this last year that has changed you or each and every day, what are, what's something emotionally or mentally that you are growing in. So that's something that I think is really important to talk about on today's podcast because I had this huge milestone yesterday of turning 23 and it was seriously my favorite birthday so far. I am just, I'm so excited to share with you guys how yesterday was so eye-opening to me of the literal growth in every form possible that I have had and how it was just, it was so sweet in so many ways. It was pure beauty encapsulated by having friends over and feeling really happy and feeling really good and just having this connection with the world around me that I haven't had in a while. So I think to start off, the biggest thing that I have learned within this last year of life is that I truly understand now how important alone time is. And I think it was really, really hard for me before that to grasp the idea of being alone because I think I always previously associated being alone with loneliness and despair and sadness because at the end of the day, no one wants to be lonely, but there's a difference between being lonely and having um, peace and enjoyment in solitude, purposeful solitude. I think that's a better way to put it. And so I think this last year after going through my whole, you know, PT school debacle last summer, being so extremely depressed um, to the point of being considered suicidal and um, on the severe end of that diagnosis and going through a relationship that resulted in being cheated on. Obviously, you know the drill if you listen to episode four. I always say, like, if you want to know everything about me within the last couple years, just listen to episode four of my podcast. Um, I think going through all of that and then starting therapy and starting medication just really sent me on this mission to understand what intentional purposeful solitude looks like because I always thought that I was this big over-the-top extrovert who you know likes to be the center of attention I obviously like I love to throw parties I love being social I love having lots of friends I'm very friendly very open to tons of people um so clearly that has always been a defining characteristic about me as a person through my life. Um, But until this last year, I didn't actually take the time out to see what it's like to be alone. It always scared me. It always made me feel like being completely alone with yourself is somewhere you don't want to be. I think society tells us all the time that like you need to find your other half, you need to find your significant other, all this like bullshit about you being incomplete without this other person in your life. Um, Whether it's like 
being clingy to a best friend or to a partner. Um, I think society, even at a young age, we learn that where we think we need to have this other person in our life to be whole, to be complete. But that is the farthest, farthest thing from the truth, in my opinion. And I think you need that time by yourself, especially if you're afraid of it, especially if it's hard for you to be by yourself. You need to open up that side of your life and move it from being a negative thing to a positive thing. And anyone I've talked to about my experience knows that I have really moved away from associating alone time with loneliness and put it in this bucket of positivity because I love it now. Like I I recharge myself in every way possible when it comes to being alone. I need it. Like I can I can tell now that like I am a pretty extroverted person, but I would say deep down like I'm that extroverted introvert, you know, someone who has kind of a foot in both worlds of I can be extremely social, I can be center of attention. I love you know, having friends and going to things and going out and all that kind of stuff. But I need that really intentional balance of having alone time too, or I just get burnt out. And obviously being alone all the time doesn't work for me either, because I'm a very social person. Um, But even me being in the woods this summer for a month and a half was a very good testament to that of spending the majority of the time by myself and still being able to connect with others, whether it's through social media or whenever people were visiting me or even going into town and interacting with others. But at the end of the day, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I liked making decisions about what I wanted to do with my day without having to take into account another person. Um, And it can be hard if you are in a relationship right now to put yourself in that frame of mind. But That was 100% the biggest takeaway that I had this last year of understanding how valuable my alone time is, you know, whether it's writing down my thoughts, writing poetry, working on the book I'm writing, um, learning how to play guitar, drawing, painting, going for a walk, listening to music, making more playlists, like connecting with that side of myself that I can connect with whenever I'm alone, that can be a little difficult to do when someone else is around and um, being really good about trying to do one of those things every day. So if you're in that space where maybe this is, this topic is very new to you and you're not familiar with it, I really challenge you to see like over the month of September, can you dedicate 10 minutes of your day to doing like your alone time, um, regimen whatever that looks like for you it I it could be 10 minutes it could be an hour I suggest an hour I think that's like the best thing you could do Um, it could be waking up early and just having time to yourself to not talk to anyone else to not be on social media to not interact with anyone but you and just see what it's like to like get up a little earlier or stay up a little bit later before bed and have like a wind down type of thing that you do where you just reconnect with yourself and you check in with yourself you see how you're doing you do something that makes you feel really really good that has nothing to do with other people that has nothing to do with like checking another box for the day like 
oh well working out is my is my alone time is it though like I I think I've talked about this previously on a podcast that like working out is fantastic I recommend doing it every day in some way whether it's going for a walk or exercising really really hard doesn't matter what it is but that I think can fall into the category of taking care of your body which is very very good um but that's not totally finding alone time in that purposeful way because a lot of times we associate like working out as part of our daily routine and it's something you need to do every day check off every day like make your bed brush your teeth make sure you get a good workout in you know do some laundry I like the idea of working out being part of your alone time but I want you to dig deeper because I did that for the longest time and I realized I wasn't actually connecting with myself during workouts I was just doing the workout you know you kind of get in the zone of you're listening to high energy music and you're getting a good pump on or you're getting a good run in whatever it may be and that's not the same as kind of grounding and slowing down and talking to yourself and realizing what is it that I need today or what did I learn from myself today and understanding who you are in that very quiet solitude type of space so if that makes sense I hope it does let me know if you have any questions about that um the second thing just coming off the top of my head that I think this last year has shown me is that you really don't need a whole lot of people in your life to make you happy obviously COVID has really made us understand that to a deeper level I think and your true 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 friends the people who really care about you will reach out to you um every now and then and um you know say like how's it going how's your life like genuinely how are you doing and those are the people you want to hang on to really closely and I think it's very important to distinguish the people you think you have been friends with um, in the past to people who are really true genuine friends who are always you know sending you things or sending you notes or um, checking in on you or like hey can we have a FaceTime date like They just are very genuine about wanting to connect and stay connected. And then people who it's kind of like they fall off the face of the earth and you don't hear from them in a long time unless something happens or, um, you know, you need something from them or they need something from you. Like it's almost like a transactional relationship. And so that has been a very, very important piece of my healing journey this last year of recognizing who in my life do I just feel so happy and genuine and joyful around and who does it feel like I have to put on a mask for (laughs) COVID pun lol um or kind of not be fully there like in those conversations not be fully myself because I have to fit into this scheme of what is this friendship and Friendship should just come naturally. You should not have to pretend to be one person or another. You should not feel forced to talk about one thing or another. Um, It should just feel like 
a genuine, happy feeling when you're with that person. So that's why, like, last night I had, like, those type of people at my party, and it was just so awesome. Everyone had such a good time. It was, like, Italian summer-themed. We had, like, citrusy colors everywhere, and my friend Aaron Burke made me really, really awesome handmade cookies that were, like, so nicely done, and they were all, like, they had, like, lemons and oranges and limes on them. They were so cute, and they tasted phenomenal, and... Um, everyone there just was like a joyful piece of my life. And that's what I think really helps, excuse me, helps you switch gears from not only showing up for yourself as the best version of you, but making sure that the interactions with other people and the friendships you have are ones that you continue to only show up as yourself. You're not pretending to be someone you're not you're not thinking in your back of your mind oh well this person might be talking shit about me later or this person doesn't really like give me anything but negative energy or this person xyz like really examining I think that's the biggest word to use for what I've learned this last year examining those friendships and examining who is the most important to you it's not to say that other people in your life are not important. I think some people can get very defensive if they if they hear this and they're like, oh, well, I must not be important to the people who aren't connecting with me. It's like, no, I don't want you to think that. I just want you to gauge that for some people, like other other groups of people may not be as needed in their life right now, if that kind of speaks a better truth about that the people in my life right now are are the people I need in my life you know I've kind of moved away from the excess of um, forcing relationships that aren't really working out or friendships that aren't working out Um, and just being good about like the people who check in with me I check in with them and vice like it's a very vice versa relationship And I know that there are people who are always going to have my back, who are always going to be there for me no matter what, who are never going to speak ill of me. That's the biggest thing is, especially as women, there's these friends that we can have in our life that we just accumulate over time out of um, opportunity or necessity, you know, from high school or college or work, whatever it may be. It's like, You kind of have these friendships that form just because and they're not necessarily in line with your values and your principles and what you want. And and those relationships, unfortunately, can be very catty or very drama ridden. They're full of gossip. They're full of like, you know, those friend groups because they usually form around friend groups of like, she said this about you and you said this about her and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not the energy that I want anymore and you shouldn't want it either because it just sucks the energy out of you like it's it's negative it's it goes nowhere you you're not showing up as your true authentic self in those moments you're you know partaking in these gossipy conversations that lead you nowhere like what's the fucking point you know like it doesn't make you feel good you know for maybe a second gossiping about something feels like great because you're like omg what's the drama what's the what's the 411 what's the tea whatever the fuck that 
might feel like. I've very, very much steered away from that because it doesn't feel good at the end of the day. Like, why would you want to talk shit about other people in your life that are supposed to quote unquote be important to you? So why are you allowing yourself to continue having that friendship or that relationship with those kinds of people who drag you into those kind of conversations? If you're really good about putting in stop in real time to those conversations, then that's great. But I'm someone who it's really hard for me to confront someone in the heat of the moment because I know for for some people, they're not as um, far on their journey of life of understanding why they do the things they do and why they say the things they do. And for them, that might be a moment where they're venting and they trust you to listen and to acknowledge their feelings and their validations. But in that moment, because they're not as matured in their journey of understanding who they are, it can come off very condescending, very conceited, very judgmental. And you're put in this position where you want to be both empathetic of this other person and be there for them and listen to them and you know, help validate their feelings. But at the same time, it doesn't feel good for you. So you're in this position where you're like, well, I don't want to be stuck between two worlds of like, you know, supporting this other person, but also doing what's best for myself. And at the end of the day, I think you always need to do what's best for yourself. So if there's relationships in your life right now that are just not going in a way that you value, it's okay. Like, I saw this TikTok recently. Yes, I know, I'm on TikTok. (laughs) I saw this TikTok recently that was like, everyone tries to just elongate these friendships or moments or pieces of magic that we have in our life um, far beyond when they are magical, if that makes sense. So let's say you have this really magical moment with a guy, Okay, let's just let's just say that. You know, you have a a spontaneous kiss under a tree in the forest whatever. So, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you cuz you could apply this scenario to literally anything, but just to paint a picture. So, you have this magical moment with this guy and it's like just so beautiful, so like butterfly inducing, all of these, you know, chilling happy feelings come through you and it's just so special but then you try to drag it out after the fact you know like let's say days weeks later of like forcing um this magical moment to be something more than it is so maybe like that was just a spontaneous thing and it was super sweet and maybe you're not supposed to see that person again Um, but you're trying really, really hard to stay connected with them on social media and you're like texting them and texting them and texting them and what are you doing? What's life like? Blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're forcing the magic out of the scenario. So sometimes magical moments are literally just moments and that's it. And you're supposed to move on and you're supposed to appreciate the magic within those moments, but then you drag them the fuck out and you're trying to make it something that it's not. And the universe is telling you this whole time, dude, you're not supposed to be in a relationship with this guy. It was just supposed to be one of those magical, sweet moments in the in the fairy tale woods of your life. And you are trying to control 
it once more. I mean, everyone tries to control things really hard in their lives. I think everyone has a control issue. I mean, who the fuck doesn't? Um, and you're just, you're, you're dragging it out and dragging it out and dragging it out. And you're trying to make it this thing that it's not. And it's not going to work. And you just, you lose the magic from that moment because you're dragging it the fuck out. Like, why would you want to do that? So I think if you if you think about that scenario and you apply it to other things in your life too, like where have you tried to drag out the magic in other places? You know, sometimes friendships are just supposed to be like very temporary. Sometimes they serve their purpose and they're done and that's okay. Like if it doesn't serve you anymore, why are you dragging it along? If the magic is gone, just appreciate it for what it was and acknowledge that there was some very beautiful moments within it and move on. And obviously this is such a broad idea that you could literally apply this to anything. Um, It could be past relationships. It could be past friendships. It could be who you used to be. It could be an old job. It could be an idea that you had. It could be a project you were working on. doesn't matter. But if that's something that is kind of picking at your brain, journal about it because I think you would be surprised how much more moments like that in your life that you've dragged out than you think. I know I have. It's like when you're just forcing something to be something it's not. And it's being inauthentic and ingenuine and it loses its special touch. And that's not, that's not fun for anyone. It's not fun for you. It's not fun for the other person. It's definitely not fun for the universe. So that would for sure be almost like the third thing that comes out of that second lesson I've learned in the last year of my life. And then I think one more thing I'll just tack on before we wrap up the podcast with a very scary story. (laughs) I'm very excited about this because I wanted to capture my um, reaction in real time. So last little thing I wanted to add before we do our scary story is that for me, I have really learned that this last year that music is probably one of the most important things to me in my life. I connect so much with music. I have explored artists like none other this last year. I have explored genres like none other. I've always, I guess, considered myself a very genre fluid person. Like that's what Spotify told me my um, end of the year report was last year is that I really do listen pretty equally across the board to all different genres, whether it's classical or rock, hard rock, indie, pop, hip-hop, folk, R&B, screamo. I'm not even kidding. I listen to screamo a lot when I'm working out because I just, like, I need to get the fucking demons out of me. Um, And then meanwhile, when I'm, like, studying, I'll be listening to fucking Beethoven. So, I very much appreciate music I to a level that I don't know I appreciate anything else in my life. Um, it's very artistic to me. It's very poetic to me. Um, it connects with me on a very deep level. And so I think music to me has just been so important to my healing journey this last year. Whether it's like truly understanding lyrics 
or building playlists that fit a certain mood or a criteria for me. Um, But that act of learning more about music as a whole and different areas and different people involved with music has just been so beautiful and so eye-opening. And um, everyone who has a part in music has gone through very similar things that we all have gone through. And so connecting through music to these people on the other side of the microphone or the recording studio, um, whether they're dead or alive, like they were people or are people too, and they struggle with the same things. And through music, almost as a conduit, they tell their stories, they tell their messages, Um, about their life and their struggles and you as the listener get to appreciate it in its true artistic form so yeah that would be my last little thing to say about what my 22nd year has taught me well actually I think it's 23rd there this is another thing I saw on TikTok I I do appreciate TikTok for teaching me a lot of things um (laughs) and being very funny that there's this concept of, I don't remember what culture it is. Um, it might be Greek or Italian or something. Where So this girl was like, I just turned 20. And my boyfriend's grandpa, who is like from a traditional culture, like Greek or Italian, I can't remember. Somewhere, somewhere in the uh, Mediterranean, I'm sure, where they all are beautiful and tan and old and live to be 120 um he was like congrats you finished and she didn't understand really what he meant and her boyfriend explained it to her that um we forget that when we turn one we are finishing our first year of life if that makes sense so you're born and you're zero (laughs) and when you turn one you have lived one year of your life already But then as we get older, we kind of associate like, oh, I turned 22, so I just became 22, for example. But it's actually you finished the 22nd year of your life. And then the next year following to to year 23, um of you turning 23, you are living in your 23rd year of life. So your birthday is you finishing that year of your life. Isn't that wild? I just never understood that concept before. And I was like, whoa. So I just turned 23 yesterday, which means that I just finished my 23rd year of life. And now I'm actually in my 24th year right now. And I will finish being 24 next year on September 3rd. Isn't that fucking wild? Like, I just, it's so simple when you think about it, when you go back to being like a baby, that like, okay, you're how many months old, then you get to one, you are done being one. And now you're going to start your year of being two. Isn't that just so weird? So, yeah, I I thought that was really crazy and cool and interesting so hopefully you find that cool and interesting too okay so to end the podcast today this has nothing to do with being 23 but I 
saw this again on TikTok the other day, but I was like, oh my God, I can't even read this because I want to read it out loud on my podcast to get my real-time reaction because as you know, I've been very obsessed with the podcast, My Favorite Murder with um, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark and they're ha-fucking-larious. So they're two comedians um, and they started this back in like 2016, so I'm still catching up. I'm only on episode like... 40 something and they have like 200 um and they're so funny they talk about true crime stories and people write in and talk about like their own hometown stories and they read it out loud and their reactions are hilarious um so I've been listening to them anytime I like want a break or I'm cleaning or whatever the case may be and they're just so funny and I've always been a huge fan of true crime and murder mysteries and shit so I was on TikTok the other day and it was like someone explaining about how they've always grown up um, being very interested in like horror movies and horror stories and scary stories, true crime, like, you know, very similar vibe. Okay. And then they were like me when I read the Reddit um, of I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Forest Service. And they were like, they looked like super scared. I was like, what? And I was like, this sounds so up my alley. I have to read it. So I searched it on Google and it's a whole ass thread on Reddit. Like it is wildly long, but I am very excited to read it. (laughs) Um, So this was five years ago um, and it's, So it starts off, and it's by Search and Rescue Woods, okay? So it says, I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service, and I have some stories to tell. I wasn't sure where else to post these stories, so I figured I'd share them here. I've been a search and rescue officer for a few years now, and along the way, I've seen some things that I think you guys would be pretty interested in. I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back the majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing but they don't wander they don't wander far but i've had two cases where that didn't happen both bother me a lot and i use them as motivation to search even harder on the missing persons cases i get called on the first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both the kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked where her brother was, she told us that he'd been been taken away by the bear man. What the fuck? What? She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet and that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. Oh my god. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and he seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man but that he was tall and covered in hair like a bear and that he had a weird face. Oh my God, I'm getting chills. 
We searched that area for weeks. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest, and she'd never come back down. What? They waited at the base of the trees, the tree for hours, calling her name before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere, and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she could have possibly gone, because neither her mother or grandpa saw her come down. What the fuck? Oh my god, this is really weird. A few times I've been out on my own searching with a canine, and they've tried to lead me straight up cliffs. Not hills, not even rock faces, straight sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It's always baffling, and in those cases, we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff or miles away from where the canine had led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's sort of strange. What the fuck? One particularly sad case involved the recovery of a body. A nine-year-old girl fell down an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. Oh my god. Nine? Nine years old. Oh, that's just horrifying. It was a complete freak accident, but I'll never forget the sound her mother made when we told her what happened. Oh no, she saw the body bag being loaded in the ambulance and she let out the most haunting, heartbroken wail I've ever heard. It was like her whole life was crashing down around her. Oh my god. I heard from another search and rescue officer that she killed herself a few weeks after it happened and she couldn't live with it oh my god this is fucking sad okay different different story from the same guy i was teamed up with another um search and rescue officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area fucking bear man what the fuck that's so scary bear man we were searching for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get where we were. We figured he'd be. We found him trapped in a small crevasse um, with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg had gotten obviously infected. Ugh. We were able to get him into a chopper, and I heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he had been doing fine, and when he'd gotten to the top, a man had been there. Oh, he said the guy had no climbing equipment and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy and when the guy turned around, he said he had no face. It was just blank. Oh my God. He freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams. That story bothered the hell out of me. I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. Oh my god. <laughs> Next one. One of the scariest things I've ever had happen to me involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries, and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking us why that big man with black eyes was following us. 
we couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. But the closer we got to base, the more agitated this woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. Oh my god. At one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him. She said she wouldn't give us to him. Um, We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to just... I have I have chills right now. I don't really know how else to describe it. We were within sight of base ops. The woman turns to me and her eyes are about as wide as I can imagine a human can open them. She touches my shoulder and she says, he says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it was mostly hidden under my collar and I have no idea how this woman saw it right after she said it I hear that weird coughing right in my ear and I just about jumped out of my skin I hustled her to ops trying not to show how freaked out I was but I have to say I was really happy when she when we left the area that night what the fuck this is the last one I'll tell and it's probably the weirdest story I have well great love it we started off with the bear man so I don't know how it could get worse Now, I don't know if this is true in every search and rescue unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other search and rescue officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point, we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw someone, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it and that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. I have a lot more stories, and I suppose if anyone's interested, I'll tell some of them tomorrow. If anyone has any theories about the stairs, or if you've seen them too, let me know. (laughs) Oh my god. This is so scary. Oh my god. Some one of the comments is like are these like ruins or just some random staircases? Do you have any pictures of them and why are you guys told to never go near them? What the hell? Someone commented and said in all seriousness, you'd be really surprised by what you'd find out in the boonies up here in New England. It's some of the more rural states. It's not at all impossible to find old foundations, cellars, or even short staircases just out in bumfuck nowhere. (laughs) That's if they were built well, but they're kind of rare and usually are accompanied by foundations. And it's not just a no-sleep story that's real. It's strange to think that there are places in this world touched and then forgotten by man and we never know about them until we stumble upon the evidence and wonder why there's no story why there's clearly signs 
of previous habitation that was just left behind. Humans are really good at finding value in even the most adverse locations, so why not here? What's so bad about this place and what what made people leave it and erase its existence from memory? Um... Someone replied to him and said, I'm from New England and have spent a lot of time hunting in New Hampshire and can confirm that there are foundations, wells, graveyards, and other structures all over the woods. It's interesting because a huge number of the graves appeared to be cared for on a regular basis. (laughs) One thing that struck me when traveling in Montana was the number of cabins and shacks that were built over a hundred years ago, abandoned and haven't been touched since, but are otherwise in plain sight from the road. That's so fucking creepy. Um, Someone else said, In Florida, you'll find ruins of the Seminole and Tumuquin tribes, especially up in the marshlands of Nassau County and the Osceola Um, national forest in their case sickness and encroachment of european settlers pushed them out well yes that makes sense growing up in saint augustine it wasn't uncommon to find spanish homes in weird places people get pushed out for many reasons sickness water food foundation of the structures unsafe etc there's a schoolhouse in a busy part of jacksonville that has been boarded up even though it wasn't in terrible shape but a boiler exploded, causing the death of several kids. Many of the vagrants sleep inside its walls, and many people say it's haunted by kids that were killed in the boiler room explosion. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, okay. Last one I'll read because this looks really good. It's a reply in this thread, and it seems very similar to this guy. So it's one more story. Not search and rescue or elite hiker by any means, but my two stories, and I will post the reveals because they're honestly mundane. I don't know what that means. A few years back with a large group of scouts in Butano SP, I don't know what that is, we were hiking some godforsaken dense forest trail in the wet Californian winter rains. The first night, the raccoons rolled a bunch of our bear containers down a gully and into the creek. We were able to find them. The second day, we encountered a road and a checkpoint. The guard booth was abandoned. There was no signs, but we concluded that it was an abandoned prison. Nice. (laughs) Oh, my God. We adults would have gone in there, but we didn't want to endanger the kids, so we hiked on. Later that night, right around 1 a.m., I was awakened by the sound of gunfire... It was about 100 yards away, and it was not pistols. It was some very loud, sharp, poppy guns, different guns. It started off slow, and then after a dozen or so, a pause, and then more, and then it was steady for maybe 100 plus or more from several different guns. What the fuck? Then when the other gun stopped, the loudest one kept firing, and it wasn't full auto, but a lot of rapid-fired shots. Never got the count of the magazine between reloads, but this went on for about 20 minutes in total and then just stopped. I got out, got out of my sleeping bag, out of my tent, and hiked about 30 yards through the brush to the other campsite. Why would you do that? In the dark, without my light on. Don't do that. I didn't want anyone else to see me. I got to the campsite and the kids were all still asleep and the other adults had heard it, had no idea what it was. Maybe pot farmers in a gunfight with intruders? 
Next morning, it was a topic of conversation, but most of the kids had actually slept through it. After we left and got home, I talked to the ranger, and they said that sometimes people break into the prison and use the old gun range, unauthorized. Okay. (laughs) My other story was camping in Big Sur, Silver Peak. I was alone, but only about five miles from the road. I had just finished dinner and lay down to sleep. After a few minutes, I heard kind of a crunch, 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 crunch sound that sounded like footsteps outside. That's my biggest fear. Oh, that's so scary. I moved my head to try to figure out what direction they were coming from, and they stopped. I put my head back down, and a few minutes later, they started again. Crunch, 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 crunch. Again, I lifted my head to see what direction they were coming from, or whether... Oh, no. I just lost my page. Or whether... Where to go? Or whether it was close. Nothing. This cycle repeated a couple of times until I decided to turn over and open my tent flap to get a look around outside with the flashlight. Oh my god, don't do that. I was expecting to see a person out there walking around in the dark, but I saw nothing, heard nothing, zipped up, put my head back down, tried to go back to sleep. Again, crunch, 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 crunch. Again, lifted my head. It stopped. I tried to readjust. I looked outside again. I couldn't find the source. It certainly wasn't my heart because it was thumping like mad. This kept me awake for hours that week, that evening. I was terrified that there was someone or something out there who heard my, heard my movement of my head, stopped walking only to continue when they thought I'd fallen back asleep, maybe past midnight, but I eventually fell asleep. Next morning, I had breakfast, broke camp, and I, as I set up my tent, I noticed that my head was over a gopher hole. <laughs> Oh my god, that's me to a T. When I was living in my camper this summer, <laughs> I'll go for a hole. Um, Any time that I was sleeping without like the air conditioning on, which is super loud, so it's like almost like a sound machine, and I just had my windows open, I would be terrified sometimes because I would just hear like sounds, and it was definitely just chipmunks in, in the bushes or... Um, even like I think there's birds at night that just kind of like hop around and shit and I would just convince myself that someone was out in the woods like waiting to kill me and I don't know why I would do that and I was in a full-fledged camper so like being in a tent and freaking yourself out like that is like the worst feeling (laughs) uh so there's some search and rescue scary stories um Sorry if you don't like scary stories. I just, I needed to read that and get my reaction in real time because um, I got really excited, but I wanted to share it with other people. So happy to be back. Sorry for the late episode. Um, I may be moving my um, episode release to a different day in the week because my Mondays might be really busy given my new fall schedule. I'm going to be taking 22 grad credits super awesome right (laughs) um so we'll see how it goes but please keep me updated about what you think of the podcast what are topics you want me to cover um you can find me in my instagram for the podcast at hippie podcast on instagram or you can just shoot me an email at hannah.c.garrett at gmail.com if you have any other comments, questions, concerns, whatever. Um, happy, 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 happy 
Friday. I almost said Thursday. And I hope you guys have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Talk at you next week.